Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friend? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope your life is treating you good. Hope speaking is good for you. Maybe you're uh, you're traveling. Maybe you're on a flight right now. Maybe you're at the hotel. Maybe you're in the rental car. Maybe you're uh, driving to or from an event. Maybe you're, uh, I don't know, cooking dinner or, or working out or something. I don't know. Whatever you're up to, glad you're hanging out with us today. Hey, if this is your first time or maybe you've been listening for a while, this is the Speaker Lab podcast where we are teaching you all about the art and business of speaking. So uh, every single week we do multiple episodes a week and we're interviewing experts on speaking. We're talking with people who have been in the business, people uh, involved in the industry in some way. Uh, I do a lot of teaching and training. We do a lot of listener Q&A. So wherever you're at in your speaking career, whether you're brand new, you're just getting started, or maybe you've been doing this for a while and you're trying to figure out how to continue to build and scale your business, this is the show for you. So again, we're really glad that you're here. Thanks for tuning in today. Hey, uh, before we get into today's episode... I want to uh, give you a little sneak peek on something we've been working on for several months now. I'm super stoked about this. You're going to hear more about this in the coming weeks. But uh, we are putting together a online virtual summit where we are going to be gathering around 40 of the top speakers and experts in the business to teach you all about how to build and grow your speaking business. I am insanely stoked about this. We have some really, really, really top-notch speaker names that you have heard of, names that you follow, you've read their books, you've seen them speak. You're going to know these people, you're going to know these names because these are some serious A players. So I'm really, really excited about the lineup that we've got coming. So again, you're going to be hearing about that more in the coming weeks. Again, it's going to be a totally online virtual summit, which means you don't have to travel anywhere. You can stay home. You can watch and tune in from the comfort of your home. And it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to learn a lot, ton of actionable, practical content that I can't wait to share with you. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Again, it's going to be coming in the next few weeks. All right. So today, we got a great episode for you today. Today, uh, we're, we are teaching you and talking all about a speaking writer. Like, what exactly is a speaking writer? Do you need one? This is probably something that you've heard of and you're just kind of wondering, I don't know, do I need one? What's the point of it? So let's get right into it. Let's waste no more time, my friends. Here we go. Let's have a little chit chat, chatteroo. Enjoy. All right, so today we're going to be talking all about a speaking writer. What exactly it is? Do you need one? How do they work? Yada yada. And maybe you've heard of something called a writer, which is is common among performers and entertainers in general, not just for speakers. And so it's basically a kind of a document stating what kind of conditions that you would like in order to do what you've been hired to do. Now, oftentimes we hear about writers when they come to like celebrities or like big time entertainers and just some of the Maybe you've heard about like ridiculous requests that they may make sometimes in their writers. So I browsed around online for your listening entertainment and pleasure. I found some of the craziest celebrity writer requests. For example, I found that Kanye West requires an electric scooter, a smoothie station, and Lunchables. 
whenever he is uh, not speaking, but doing whatever it is he do, does, whatever. Adele requires six metal teaspoons, an assortment of chewing gum, and two squeezy bottles of clear honey, but they can't be organic. True story. Justin Bieber requests Swedish fish and a size extra small t-shirt. Hmm. Okay. Paul McCartney requires a big mix of plants and flowers. There's just like, you can browse around online. You can find all different types of just bizarre requests that people make. And uh, one of the most common stories around writers is that the band Van Halen would ban brown M&Ms from their dressing room. I don't know, maybe you've heard this story before. And so now initially you hear that and it sounds like this incredibly silly thing that pampered rock stars are doing, that we cannot have brown M&Ms in our dressing room. But I don't know if you've heard this. Let me give you quickly the, the story behind this and why it matters to you as a speaker. It's really, really interesting here. But Van Halen was actually one of the first bands to take like these huge productions into uh, like huge production concerts in arenas. And so they would have uh, usually around like nine 18-wheeler trucks full of gear where the standard was oftentimes like three trucks. So they have three times the amount of gear versus what most bands and you know contouring touring musicians and artists would have. And so with nine 18-wheelers worth of, of gears, there's just a lot of trucks, a lot of technical pieces, a lot of gear that goes into it. And so, you know, there's all types of little technical pieces that needed to be right, not just for the quality of the show, but for the safety of it as well. So one of the things I read was that you want to make sure that the girders could support the weight or the flooring wouldn't sink in or the doors would be big enough to move the gear through. And so this contract rider was just ridiculously detailed with all these different nuances to making sure that everything would run properly. There's so much equipment involved, so many people involved. And so this whole point of this rider was to make sure that it ran smooth. And so just as a little test, in the technical aspects of the rider, it would say something like an Article 148, there will be 15 amps of voltage sockets between at 20-foot spaces evenly providing 19 amps per so just like ridiculously detailed stuff and then mixed in kind of like in the middle of nowhere it'd be like article 126 would say there will be no brown m&ms in the backstage area upon pain of forfeiture of the show with full compensation so basically what it's saying is if like in the contract it would say that if there are brown M&Ms in the dressing room, that legally, technically, I don't know that they ever followed through on this, that legally they could say, we are not doing the show, and contractually they would still get paid for it because there were brown M&Ms in there. So the nutshell was basically they would have kind of their manager who would basically walk backstage, and if he saw brown M&Ms in that bowl... Well, then they would have to go through and they would have to check every single item on the entire production because guaranteed that they would arrive at some type of technical error because you knew that they didn't read the contracts. You knew that they were going to run into problems and, and issues. So sometimes it would just, you know, it would be like small little things they would run into. Sometimes it would threaten to destroy the whole show or literally they said it could be life threatening at times because things weren't followed. And so basically this brown M&M clause was just kind of dropped in there in the middle of nowhere to blend in, just kind of like this, almost like this warning flag that if they didn't do the red, or excuse me, if they didn't do that brown M&M thing, then there's probably a bunch of other things that they missed. But if they did catch that, then they probably got everything else right. Crazy story, right? And so for speakers, while I wouldn't expect you to have these type of demands, the point of having a speaking writer is to help set you up for success. Because as best as possible, you want to have the ideal environment where you can present 
your talk. And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to walk through and just kind of explain a couple of points that are on my own personal speaking writer that we send, and then I'm going to give you just a couple of additional thoughts on, on writers in general. So we send people basically a one-page document that is our writer. And so one of the things that's on it, number one, is microphone preference. So we give them a list of different types of microphones that we prefer. So for example, I personally, I prefer a wireless hands-free mic, kind of like a, what's called a countryman mic. You've seen like Garth Brooks or like Britney Spears type of mic that goes over your ear and kind of comes down right in front of your face. And so that's what I actually prefer. And so if that's not available, then I prefer a wireless handheld. So basically what we're doing is we're telling them in that writer, here's some microphone preferences. The second thing that we put in our writer is preferences for staging and lighting setup. So for me personally, I prefer a well-lit stage. I don't like spotlights. I don't like staring into it, like feel like I'm talking to a train. When you have a spotlight on you, it's really, really hard to see the audience. I don't like that. I tell them in the writer that we don't need a podium. I like having the house lights up a little bit so I can see the audience, not just feel like I'm speaking to an empty room. So again, these are just some preferences that we include in there just so that they are aware of what it is that we prefer. The third thing that we put in there is the seating arrangement. So I personally, I prefer a theater style setup so no tables, no seating behind me while I speak. I don't like speaking like in a round type of situation where my back is always to someone. I don't like that. I want everyone seated as close to the front and middle as possible. Now, again, if I'm speaking in a theater, then there's only so much, they, they can't rearrange the entire theater based on my preferences. But if they're just setting up a room, then they may be able to help with this to make sure that it's the ideal situation. The fourth thing that we include in there is a quick note about a resource table. So sometimes I'll sell books or products after an event. So we ask them to for a table outside the room where we can meet people and sell products. And then the last thing that we ask for is we just ask for two bottles of water that are room temperature. Now, none of these things are outlandish or completely ridiculous at all. They are just, again, preferences that help me to do my best job as a speaker. And so what we normally do is we send this one-page document with our speaking agreement or our contract, which in fact, we talked way more in depth back in episode six, all about speaking contracts. So you may want to go back and listen to that. But we send the, the, the writer as a separate document to the client. Now, I know some speakers who include it as part of their contract, and each item that is included on the writer needs to be initialed or signed, or the writer itself needs to be signed and sent back with the contract. So we don't do that. The writer is just more of an informational document that honestly, we just hope they actually read. Now, let me give you a couple other just thoughts and observations when it comes to having a speaking writer. Uh, first one thing, number one, is that realistically, most clients won't read or follow through on what you asked for in your writer. So just to kind of set the precedent that just because you put it in your writer doesn't mean that it's going to magically happen. So because of that, we don't make it a big deal. Remember that if you book an event six months out and you send them that writer, there's a decent chance that that client will read it then and then just forget about it. And so I would say probably half of the events that I speak at actually follow through on what we have asked for in the writer. Maybe in fact, maybe even less than that, in fact. Uh, and so you can see from ours, many of the requests are related to like the technical or production side of things, mic, staging, lights, all of that stuff. So 
one thing we put at the bottom of our rider is for the client to be sure to share this document with their production company. Although again, in my experience, that that rarely happens. Because one of the things you got to remember is that when you show up to speak at a conference or an event, you are just one of hundreds of moving pieces that a client is trying to juggle. So if they don't do something that you ask for, it's not because they are mean or that they don't want to cater to your seemingly silly whims. Oftentimes they just forgot. And so while you can ask for some of these things at the same time, be really, really flexible as well. The second thing uh, I want to point out when it comes to writers is that there's a fine line between making requests that will help you to give your best talk possible and being needy or demanding. So let me say that again. There's a fine line between making requests that will help you to give the best talk possible and being needy or demanding. You know, I believe as a speaker that uh, you should be just as good off stage as you are on stage. Meaning that if you're a great speaker, but you're a pain in the butt to work with, you're not going to get booked. So it's fine to ask for a few things to help set yourself up for success, but don't get carried away with it. And don't ask for things that you can take care of yourself. So if you need dry roasted almonds and an imported glass jar backstage before you speak, then be a freaking grown-up and bring a Ziploc baggie with your freaking dry roasted almonds, right? So again, the bottom line is, is that it's fine to send a rider, but unless you're like a big wig celebrity entertainer, don't count on it always being followed through. Not because they're bad, not because they're mean, not because they don't like you, whatever. But just make sure that you stay flexible and you do what you came to do, which is to help serve the client without being needy or demanding. So whenever I show up for an event, one of the things that I'll do is I'll just kind of, similar to like the brown M&Ms thing, I know that if they say, hey, here are the two bottles of water that you asked for, then I know they're probably going to be paying attention to some of the other little things that we asked for. And so again, you can ask for some of those things, but just being flexible. I know a lot of times whenever I go to do like a sound check and, and since some in the writer, a lot of the pieces that we ask for and a lot of things that we're requesting are technical pieces, then a lot of times I'll just go straight to the production team, the sound guys, and I will ask them, hey, what kind of mic options do you have? Hey, what are you planning on doing with lighting? Hey, is it cool to do this? Can we do a sound check? Can you show me what the stage lights will look like? And so rather than, again, being dependent on the client of relaying all that information, again, be a grown-up, take ownership, and and ask them, hey, what's this setup going to be? Can we do this? Can we do that? Can we move this around? You know, even with the room setup, even if there's some things that you can ask for with the client to say, is it possible to change this around? Or is it possible to have everyone adjust their chair so so people don't have their back to me. Any of those type of little nuances. You, again, the point of the writer is you want to set yourself up for success as best as possible. Now, if you're interested, we actually include our writer in the download section of our Booked and Paid to Speak master course. So if you're interested in that, you definitely want to check that out. You can, in fact, email us at support at thespeakerlab.com and uh, let us know if you're interested in learning more about Booked and Paid to Speak, the master course. All right, there you go. Hopefully that was what you're looking for. That was helpful whenever it comes to your speaking rider, the importance of that, why you need it, and you know how to create one. So yeah, 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 that wraps up. Uh, let's see, this episode, what is today? Episode 85? Yeah, that's right. Hey, as always, feel free to uh, stop by thespeakerlab.com if you have questions, if there's anything we can do to help you or support you. We'd love, love, love to hear from you. And if you have anything at all that you're struggling with, always feel free to email us, support at thespeakerlab.com. Let us know where you're struggling. We want to be able to help you and help you grow in your or a speaking business. All right, my friends, we'll catch you next time. You're awesome.